What's up and welcome into Lead Block. Happy Friday, everybody. My name is Tyler Walters alongside Matthew Anderson. Matthew, how you doing? Doing excellent. Exam's over. I can breathe again. Exams are over. All right, so we're recording this a little bit early this week uh, on Tuesday. So we might miss a thing or two. Things keep send, seem to be happening very quickly here. Uh, as we found out Sunday night, right after we recorded, where two coaches got announced as soon as I got back to my house after we get done recording. But, yep, Matthew is having a little surgery tomorrow, getting them fixed up, so we're recording <laughs> earlier. And uh, so just the lines might be a little different on the Army-Navy game, but other than that, I mean, we got a full show, a packed show anyway. So much stuff is happening. Um, a lot of stuff, big news right here in Columbia. And before we get to that, Go follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at the lead underscore block. Go follow Matthew at Matt the Chosen One with the number one and myself at Tyler Walters CNR. Make sure you're subscribed on iTunes and follow the podcast on Spotify or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Leave a review, rate five stars, share on social media, tell your friends. And we will start right here in Columbia, as I mentioned Big news today, or yesterday, like the last week, it's finally official now, I guess, as of Tuesday, uh, Mike Bobo is coming to South Carolina. Yep. Um, He'll be the quarterback's coach and the offense coordinator. You're right. The, my, my top note on this one is he's certainly not Chad Morris. <laughs> so I, I know I said it makes a lot of sense for South Carolina to go after Chad Morris uh, for this job. And there will be some Chad Morris news at the end of the show. So stick around. But we'll start with Mike Bobo, former quarterback of Georgia uh, in the 90s. And South Carolina just he, – here's a quarterback guy, quarterback's coach at Georgia, uh, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Murray, both Mike Bobo guys. Um, Stafford is obviously just having one heck of a career and is probably going to pass like all the numbers that guys are setting above him except for wins. Uh, with the Lions, and Aaron Murray, very successful, not against the Gamecocks, really, but yeah. very successful college quarterback uh, as long as Jadavian Clowney wasn't on the field with him. Right. So um, you've got, like, a little bit of success there, and, and he was from Georgia for, what, like, I, I don't know how many years I could pull it up. I know he left in, in uh, 2014 or after 2014. and He's been over, like, five, about 13 – yeah, somewhere around 13. Yeah. yeah, so he was a Florida, or excuse Georgia. me, a Georgia grad assistant, stayed at Georgia, you know, graduated in 97 or left, you know, as a player and then uh, was an assistant in, you know, the late 90s and went down to, I mean, I guess he's been with the Gamecocks before. It was at Jacksonville State as a quarterback's coach uh, in the year 2000. And was at Georgia from 2001 until he left in 2014. So quite a while uh, with Mark Richt. And he took a head coaching job at Colorado State where his record looks like was 28-35. Yeah. And 0-3 in bowl games, so maybe that wasn't his cup of tea. No. Uh, so he's Broyles Award finalist in 2012. You can look at Mike Bobo and nitpick like good things about him. Uh, he certainly has some, some things about his career is – at Georgia that look, you know, good. But I would say a relatively unproven offensive coordinator. Uh, when you look back at Mike Bobo's career, especially like the last, I mean, 
not even the last few years, for a lot of Mike Bobo's career at Georgia, all I heard from Georgia fans were, fire Mark Bobo. <laughs> fire him, fire him, fire him, fire him, get rid of him. This year, for some reason, at the end of the season, I'm seeing every Georgia you know, fan on Twitter, please bring Mike Bobo back. Please bring him back. Please bring him back. You don't know what you want to do. Georgia fans don't know. They want him gone forever, and then they want him back. I think that's probably a select few on Twitter. I think the majority of Georgia fans are good not having Mike Bobo, and they think, you know what, Kirby, you can figure it out without him. Yeah. Uh, but he's coming to South Carolina now. And so South Carolina is just, you know, a washed-down 90s Georgia coaching staff is what it's become. So you've got who? we got Thomas Brown, running backs coach. Phenomenal, by the way. Thomas Brown, I can't say anything bad about the guy. Just got a raise and an extension today, I believe, or Tuesday. Uh, then you have, obviously, Muschamp. Um, you've got, I mean, I guess T-Rob's from, from Auburn. But you've, you've got a lot of Georgia, now Mike Bobo. A lot of Georgia guys on the staff, and obviously that all stems from Muschamp, but does he know that you can look for coaches outside of Georgia alumnus? Yeah, you can kind of go out and venture out a little bit. What do you think, though, made Bobo so appealing, though, to the University of Tua Muschamp? I, here's what I think. So you just fired your, your quarterback's coach, uh, which was Dan Werner, uh, which was a move that I didn't see coming per se, but I, you know, I can look at after, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but you can see why he was let go. There was not a lot of progression, uh, especially from Bentley, which would be his, you know, most of his, his only real quarterback here at South Carolina, who he's had time with. Um, and then Holinsky didn't get better throughout the year. And whether that was due to injury or whatever, it, it has to, there has to be a fall guy somewhere, and Werner was just that guy. Yeah. With Mike Bobo, you get a quarterback's coach and an offensive coordinator. You need both. So I, I think what Muschamp went was for like a twofer. You know, here we get Bobo. I know him. I trust him for whatever reasons Muschamp does. Um, and he's a quarterback guy, and we need quarterback play right now worse than ever. Yeah. Right? If South Carolina, you're coming off of uh, – well, I, let me think down the line of South Carolina quarterbacks during Spurrier's career here. You had Blake Mitchell, who was hot garbage at some times and had some games who were phenomenal. And then Steven Garcia, a little bit of the same. But Garcia's talent was, you know, I would say he's probably the most, coming in out of high school, probably the most talented quarterback South Carolina's ever had, like straight out of high school. He had a quote that was hilarious. He was telling Perry Garcia? about it. I heard it. He said, uh, he told Perry, he said, fundamentals are, fundamentals are for guys who don't have talent. <laughs> so that is. <laughs> I mean, that is, I, I want to frame that and stick it, you know, somewhere in the studio. Yeah. Uh, because that could not be a better quote of who Steven Garcia was as a quarterback. He's, I mean, I've said on this, this I've praised Garcia a lot on, on the lead block. I mean, I still will. I love the guy. He's oh, entertainment. A little bit of talent, a little bit of stupidity on the field, and it's just all wrapped up in this crazy bow. Um, showed up to, to practice in Crocs. That he was that kind of weird, like I don't want to say lazy. I don't. I think he would agree at times he was lazy yeah, yeah. as a quarterback and a guy of who he really tried. I think could have been an amazing college quarterback. He definitely had the talent. Yeah. I mean, there were games you look back in his career, probably the toughest quarterback South Carolina's ever had. I remember. South Carolina playing, uh, I think it was Southern Miss, 
in a game at home to open the season, and Garcia runs down the uh, the sideline, and he's going to the to the goal line, and at like the five or six yard line, he has a choice. He's got a Southern Miss defender staring him straight in the face, who's lowering his shoulder and is getting ready to lay a hit on Garcia. He can take that hit, or he can take one inch to the right and be out of bounds. Garcia <laughs> lowers his shoulder. I mean, granted, Garcia was a pretty big dude. Yeah. I mean, he probably had 50 pounds on this defender and just levels him. <laughs> right at the go. He was like, nope, not back. And th- that was him. He's like, no care in the world for trying to protect yourself as a quarterback. <laughs> He's like, I'm just going to try to be like a bowling ball and run you flat over. So, like, that play sticks out to me in Steven Garcia uh, as the Steven Garcia play. Um, but, yeah, so you have Garcia as a quarterback, and then you go to Connor Shaw, who had the best career at South Carolina any quarterback's ever had, maybe any player ever's ever had. Uh, never lost a game at home, which is incredible to think about. That is insane. Yeah, especially you think about the teams he played, you know. Um, and then you go to uh, Dylan Thompson, who could sling it, but he, he, only, he wasn't Connor Shaw. But he wasn't that much of a drop-off. He had seven and five year in 2013, I believe, yeah. with Dylan Thompson. And then you kind of work your you, – Perry Orth, who was never really supposed to be a D1 quarterback. Um, you got about all you could get out of Perry Orth. And then you go to Jake where, Bentley. Where was Connor Mitch? Was he a backup guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Connor, he, he started a game against – what was that? He got hurt against North Carolina maybe in the Charlotte game, uh, in that weird, like, transition of quarterbacks there. Yeah. And then you end up with um, McIlwain, and Bentley becomes the guy that year, and Bentley doesn't progress. And there's just a weird, like, gap between Shaw and now. Yeah. Of South Carolina quarterbacks who didn't work out, and you need to see some progression. And maybe, you know, Bobo is the guy to kind of fix that because he's a quarterback guy. I mean, he was a quarterback. Uh He's a quarterback's coach, or that's his history, offensive coordinator. Quarterback, he was offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach for Georgia for seven years. He was quarterback's coach alone for another five years before that. Um, I'm thinking Muschamp with the two-for-one deal there. But Colorado State, like you mentioned, he takes the Colorado State job in 2015, goes to Colorado State, has pretty three, you know, his first three years are pretty decent. Uh, but his first two you're living off of Jim McElwain, who be- later became Florida's head coach and was previously Alabama's offensive coordinator. You're living off of his recruits. Uh, McElwain went like 10-2 and two with that team, I think, one, one year at Colorado yeah, State. Yeah, he, he did his excellent day with the Rams, I think. They were there. Yeah, the Rams. Um, he 10-3, he, and three, uh, McElwain went at Colorado State. So he lives off of, Bobo does, off of McElwain's recruits there at Colorado State for you know a few years. Goes 7-5 and five all three years. Lost all three bowl games. In 2018, he goes three and nine. In 2019, he goes four and eight. Obviously, like he's not, and those are his guys now. The three and nine team and the four and eight team are the guys that you recruited. Um, so if you look at the record, you're showing me, you know, here's not a recruiting guru, which I don't think you really need at South Carolina. You have Will Muschamp, and people like to make fun of it now. But the I can sell ice to an Eskimo line he said in his opening press conference i still strongly believe that yeah he got ryan Holinsky to come here uh from orange county california yeah a long way to go an elite 11 quarterback a quarterback that you know at the time south carolina was having uh in the last few years you would think they wouldn't have any business landing the Holinsky style quarterback um luke Doty coming in next year 
you got to carry on joiner to stay in state and and try it here at South Carolina. And I, I think to carry on is you know I still think he's days away from announcing he's transferring. Uh, but he Muschamp can get recruits on both sides of the football. I, I don't I don't doubt that at all. And I, so I don't think you need Bobo's recruiting prowess, but I think you need his coaching ability. And we will see what he's able to do there. But my only worry is that South Carolina has once again <laughs> settled yeah. for a coach rather than going to hire someone who's like a big splash. And yet we want big names. Like that is what I love about the Ole Miss hire with Lane Kiffin. Like you want that name. Yeah. Uh, Mike Norvell at, at Florida State, like you want that, you want that name. He's semi proven. Um, you're not going to get Kirby Smart to come, or not Kirby Smart, bad, bad example because he's a defensive guy. You're, you're not going to get um, Dan Mullen to come coach your quarterbacks, right? He's already, he's proven he's his own coach. But these semi-proven guys you can get to come coach your offense who maybe have gotten fired or whatever. Uh, things don't always work out as a head coach. You get fired, go be an offensive coordinator somewhere, and you're great. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think that my, that's my worry is that South Carolina settled and the Muschamp better hope this works if he wants to stay here at the University of South Carolina. Yeah, because at this point, it's almost like his time is up. Two things here. One, why to ask you, what do you think will be the type of scheme that guy brings in, like the identity? And also, I'm really surprised that Eric Wolford, I think that's how you pronounce the name, the current offensive line coach USC, like he's kind of been floating under the radar here. Yes. But like the offensive line has not been good. When uh, Helensky dropped back, they're all over him now. He's not the most mobile guy, but maybe that's because of the injury. And also, they've been running the ball where the punter was the second leading rusher. So it's like, we're not running the ball well. The pass protection <laughs> is not well. Like, how is he kind of just, he's kind of like Frank Martin just skate, skating right under the radar here. Yeah, uh, you, you're you're right. I, the offensive line and pass block was terrible yeah. this year. Um, he's definitely on the hot seat, but if Muschamp lets him live to see another day, it could mean Muschamp has let himself live to see the last day. Yeah. Uh, Let's go ahead and put that. That. And they're, you know, Muschamp has talked about multiple times this year that they've tried to recruit more athletic offensive linemen. And I think when you make a shift like that from the kind of offensive lineman you recruit, uh, and he namely called Sedarius Hutcherson um, a more athletic guy. Like, Sedarius Hutcherson was not a big dude in high school. He put on like 130 pounds or so. It's tremendous. I think uh, Josh Kendall wrote an article in The Athletic about it a couple months ago. The amount of weight he put on to be an offensive lineman in the SEC and that kind of more athletic guy coming in, when you make changes like that and how you recruit, it certainly affects your offensive line and your offensive line coach. But as the offensive line coach, you're recruiting those guys as well, and you know what you have to do to get them to block. Um, he has kind of been swept under the rug, but you're going to have to hope that Bobo can figure it out and give Holinsky some protection next year. Because the way he was getting hit this year and the, the pressures he was taking, you, you can't like you can't ask a quarterback to sit there and have five guys coming right in his face every single down yeah. and expect to throw the ball and be accurate and make plays and win games. That's not how it works. Especially when he's like a pocket pass. One thing for you, a dual threat guy, was that he just take off and run. He's going to do that kind of anyway. But a guy that likes to sit in the pocket, kind of survey his options, read the coverage, and make the throws, that's tough for him. But, yeah, so what type of uh, offense do you think? Uh... Yeah, that was back. I was going to go back to your other question there, the scheme the scheme questions. I think when you look back at what he did at Georgia, uh, you know, granted, I didn't watch a lot of Colorado State games the last three or four years. I did watch a few when McElwain was there because they were good. Yeah. That's the only time I'm watching a team like Colorado State. No offense to them, they're just off my radar. Uh, 
But if you look back at like the Matthew Saffords and the Aaron Murrays, they ran a pro-style offense, pretty balanced. Um, I think Muschamp has been consistent with saying he wants balance in his offense. Um, and I think that's what you're going to get. You have a, a pretty good group of running backs. Obviously, you're losing your two best, Dowdle and Feaster, to graduation. Feaster's uh, gone. His eligibility is up, and he'll probably play in the NFL somewhere, I would yeah. think, and maybe Dowdle as well. Uh but, yeah, you, you're losing that. But you still have some good guys, and you've got a lot of good recruits coming in for running back. So I, I th- still think there's a lot of emphasis on the run at South Carolina. And you're going to have have to have a quarterback who can throw the ball downfield, make intermediate throws, and sit back in a traditional you know, offense where we're going to run and we're going to throw, and it's going to be about 50-50. And we're going to have, have a quarterback who is not a game manager but a solid quarterback that we can depend on and will be our guy and lead our offense. And I think that's the kind of offense that Mike Bobo is going to create or attempt to create at South Carolina. Whether or not he's successful, we'll see. Yeah, only time will tell. Also, Marshawn Lloyd, that's the one of the running backs. Everybody's from Maryland, right? About. Yeah, from Producer Maryland. Producer Brendan loves him. He's 5'6", I mean, he's 5'9", 206 pounds. He's a four-star recruit. Uh, looks like he's third in his state right now. And the dude, like, I don't know if y'all seen the pictures of him. I forgot who. It's probably just Gamecock football. Somebody take, but he looks like a grown man. He's a beast. Like, yeah, he is huge. It's like this guy, I'm sure he'll come to campus and try to be uh, go fight for playing time. I actually way. think last week he, he got that, that fifth star. Oh, who did? From someone, I think. Yeah. 24-7, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think from 24-7. Yeah. I'm so, not sure, though. Uh, yeah, and he's – and through the controversy that South Carolina's had this year – Marshawn Lloyd has tweeted multiple times, you know, still saying that he's going to be able to stick with South Carolina. Yeah, he's going to stick with Yeah, he, he's kind of pledged his allegiance. There we go. There That's what I'm go. looking for. Yeah, Muschamp was uh, at his house last week, too. Didn't see that. Doing but in-home Muschamp, visits? Yeah, in-home visits. There's a lot of that going on. I saw a couple guys uh, Muschamp had, you know, was in-home. He's, he's a really good recruiter. I don't think you'll ever be able to take that away from Muschamp. He's one of the best recruiters in the country, whether you want to say it or not. You look at the level of talent here at South Carolina, and it's not very far off from a lot of the bigger schools in the country. The product on the field is, <laughs> but the talent level I, I don't think is. There's there's plenty of guys here at South Carolina. I, I think I saw an article the other day that there's like 23 four- and five-star guys at South Carolina right now. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of talent here, and he can convince people to come here. Now he's got to, you know, and he's had to do this before and just hasn't. you got to coach these guys to win football games. And – you know, for his sake, hopefully he makes it happen. Yeah, because all, uh, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the recruiting process is like once we get you in the door, it's all about developing you, see if you obviously become a better person. But in the South, all we care about is you can win games and get us championships. So it's all about that. And I'm looking at like a lot of the four or five, four star guys in this recruiting class coming up, and they're actually from out of state. So it seems like Muschamp's big in that. You know, obviously your South Carolina guys get the pipeline guys from Georgia, North Carolina. So he's trying to make it happen. So hopefully we'll, uh, they'll work to develop these guys into great talents. Yeah, I, I agree with you. All right, so Mike Bobo of South Carolina. We're going to hop off of that to a hope from a hopeful to what has been, and we'll get on the Heisman Week train real quick. Heisman uh, trophy ceremony, I think it's, what, 8, 8 o'clock usually, ABC, ESPN, whatever, Saturday night in New York and – I don't know the name of the theater now, but it used to be maybe it's a Sony PlayStation yeah, theater, but it used to be the Nokia Theater in New York. Yep. Uh, first off, honor of Heisman Week for the show today. 
I was cleaning out my room today under some uh, some some stacks of shirts I found my old Tim Tebow Columbia Fireflies jersey, the greatest college football player who ever lived. <laughs> um, there have been better athletes, maybe uh, Bo Jackson uh, and maybe Herschel Walker and some other guys, especially you know even beyond the SEC. But no doubt about it, Tim Tebow, greatest college football player of all time. Uh, so shout out to Timmy. We'll start Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, an SEC quarterback. Joe Burrow. We'll make we'll we'll talk about we'll we'll talk about how you know who's going to win at the end. We all know it's Joe Burrow's to to win. Yeah. It's it's set in stone. First in passing touchdowns with forty eight, so he's going to get to fifty in the college football playoff. Second in yards with forty seven hundred and fifteen, so he'll get to five thousand yards. Uh, and second QBR ninety three point seven. Uh, QBR, I don't know how you feel about QB. I really hate QBR. Yeah, I'm not too big into it. I don't need. There's so many quarterback rating skills now, and even more so in pro football than than college football. Uh, I I I just don't care for it. I don't care about ESPN FBI. I don't care about QBR. I don't care about any of that crap because football is a very much you can look at what is on the field and tell who is good and who is not. Yeah. Uh, baseball, a lot of these advanced metrics, I I like a lot. Uh, in baseball. Um, and I tr- tend to lean more towards traditional metrics, even in baseball. Like, I like a guy who hits 300. Uh, I know a lot of people have gotten away from batting average is a good, like, metric to go by. I still kind of like those traditional things. Anyway, my point is that in baseball, those things work. In football, I just don't care what your QBR is. I don't need a sliding scale of 1 to 100 for you to attempt to tell me, you know, who's the best quarterback and most efficient and all that crap. Joe Burrow has been the best quarterback and best player in college football this year, hands down. It's not even close. Um, I, I just don't like that metric. But from Burrow, we're going to – just about, 48 passing touchdowns is absurd. I was about to say, one thing about that, I was looking at, you know, Jalen Hurts, I really like him, but he only has 32, and he plays in the Big 12. Yeah. And so the fact that Joe Burrow's going to able to do those against these that elite-level defenses and they lose Think about the defense he's played this year real quick. Yeah. In Florida? Yeah. Solid all around. And pretty good secondary at Florida. Auburn, whose secondary kind of sucks, but they only scored 23 points in that game. Um, just played Georgia, and they put up, what, 37 points? Um, Alabama. Alabama's down year, but still good talent. Um, and, and, you know, Texas laughably calling themselves DBU and then getting sliced and diced by Joey the King <laughs> in their own stadium. Um, I, don't, I hate the old DBU argument, like, it's not tech. Texas. You're not. You're out of it. The only two schools I want to hear argue about it are LSU and Florida. I think there's a legitimate argument there. Yeah. Um. But other than that, like, I don't. I like. I just don't care. Like, I'm tired. Uh, Miami fans are the worst. <laughs> Miami fans are the absolute most delusional group of people in all of college football. Uh, I like it because it's it's that's their brand. They're like, oh, all they talk about is draft. We got so many draft picks. Blah 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 blah. You haven't been relevant since the year two thousand two. Yeah, exactly. Uh, two thousand three. You know. Um, but yeah, I, Texas. They're just what a stupid move. Maybe hopefully Tom. I think that really, I think that really was. If you go back and look at Texas season, can you blame their defenses? Defensive backs call themselves DBU for the downfall of Texas in 2019. I think we're going to do I think it. you can. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to. Uh, that and, you know, a lot of other things were subpar for, for the Longhorns this year. Um, but, yeah, Joe Burrow has just killed it against the best level of competition this year. Another quarterback, Justin Fields. Third in passing touchdowns with 40. 
26 in yards with 2,953. First in the nation in interceptions. How many interceptions do you have? Right off the top of your head, because it surprised me today when I looked. How many interceptions do you think Justin Fields has thrown this year? Maybe five. One. One? One single INT. That's great. All year. You cannot ask for – I mean, the his touchdown to interception ratio is 40 to one. And this man was on somebody's backup quarterback last year. Yeah. Well – you know, all schemes don't work for everyone. I think Fields. I think it worked for everybody that Fields went to Ohio State, um, because when you look back at the last couple of years, a thousand times out of a thousand, I'm taking Fromm over Fields just because Fromm was unbelievable. Right. And this year he struggled a good bit, especially after the South Carolina game, uh, or at the South Carolina game it passed. But yeah, that one INT really shocked me. But here's your problem with Justin Fields: he's fumbled nine times in 13 games. And they've only lost five of those nine fumbles. But one of them was very costly in the Penn State game. He fumbled on the goal line. You do that against Clemson on December 28th, and you're done. Like, you don't get a second chance. It's not Penn State. Like, you don't get a second chance against what I would call the most talented team in the country. Right. Um, And arguably right now, one of the most well-coached. It's a coaching news coming out of there. Remind me to get to that later. And uh, Jeff Scott today. But you, you cannot make those kind of mistakes. And that's the difference between, for me, Fields and Burrow, is Burrow hasn't made those big mistakes and big-time moments this year. And even though they've won every game, Fields has made some of those mistakes and put his team in a position where they could have easily lost the Penn State game or it, in a position to where it looked closer than Penn State's offense was. Yeah. Uh, you can't make those kind of mistakes. But in his yards, he's only, what, just under 3,000 yards, 26 in the nation. I, you can't look too much in the yards because the guy this guy is sharing the backfield with, which I'll get to in a second, is one of the best running – one of the top two running backs in the country. Um, and either way you want to rank his counterpart, which we'll get to in a second, I, I don't care. Either way I could go – I could argue for either one of them. But we'll move to Jalen Hurts. You mentioned him real quick. Tied 10th in passing touchdowns with 32. But he's got 18 rushing touchdowns. Yeah, and he has 1,255 yards, so he's a 1,000-yard runner. And a 3,000-yard passer. So he's sixth in yards. back in his days, right? Yeah, 3,000. I think he's, well, at the time, he was the only SEC quarterback. I think Cam did it, and um, gosh, I think Dak did it too. There's been a couple other quarterbacks to do it now. The 3,000, 1,000, and the greatest conference in the world. Um, But yeah, Jalen Hurts has had a great year. Also got a fumble problem. Eight fumbles in 13 games, and six of those were lost. And, again, I'll say, you know, for Jalen Hurts, you fumble against LSU and you're done, not because their defense is going to maybe shut you down from then on. They can. They've, they've proven the last couple of weeks that they can they can shut people down. But if you don't score every single drive against LSU, you're screwed. Yeah. they are going to score every single drive. I don't think Oklahoma's defense – Oklahoma's defense might get one stop all game December 28th. And, and like, you just cannot make those mistakes – You've got a big problem there with guys putting the ball on the turf. When you watch Jalen Hurts play, too, like when I think about Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields, Jalen's definitely a little bit more, hey, maybe we shouldn't make that throw. Ooh, you fumbled that there. I think he had a couple fumbles, maybe even against Texas. So, yeah, he's definitely more likely to uh, get the ball. Did, did he ever make it to the Heisman Ceremony at Alabama? Uh, no. So? I don't think so. Unless he did his first year because, remember, Tua from then on. Yeah. But, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't remember. Um, I have to check back on that. Anyway. Jalen Hurts, I, I think that's the same thing with Fields. That's the difference between you and Burrow is you put your team, you know, in the first half of that Baylor game, not the conference championship game, but the Baylor game in 
earlier, like the third week of November, he put his team in a bad position early in that game. Granted, the second half, he kind of made up for it, and they won the game a lot because of Hurts in their defense, who shut down Baylor in the second half. But that's weird to say, Oklahoma defense shutting down somebody. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, like, you you put your team in the positions to lose, and that's one thing Joe Burrow has not done, like, at all, all year. Uh, The fourth guy on this list who's going to New York, Chase Young, 31 tackles, which for – which is, like, I don't know, way way down the list. They've got 150 or less in guys who have tackled uh, the most amount of tackles this year. But he's a defensive end. Generally, your linebackers are going to, you know, kind of take all your tackles for your team. Yeah. Um, 16 and a half sacks, obviously first in the country. It's six forced fumbles on the year. The only – so high, defensive guys aren't going to win the Heisman. They, we've, we've had one ever, right? Charles Woodson and what was that, 97, 98? Um, with Michigan, and but Chase Young disappeared in the Michigan game and the Big Ten championship game. Yeah, against I didn't Wisconsin. hear from him. That's what I was thinking about. I didn't hear from him at all during that uh, Big Ten champ. And I know they were double teaming, triple teaming him, but it's like for you to be a Heisman guy, it's like you still got to get there. Not even him. like he was that double and triple team. Like there was a lot of times in the Michigan game and the Wisconsin Big Ten championship game where he was just like mano y mano. And he wasn't the same Chase Young that we saw the first, you know, several weeks of the season. Early in the year. Um, now, I do think, you know, you give him three weeks rest and you get him some more film to kind of figure out, all right, like, i, I got to go back to doing this, what I was doing earlier in the season, what I did against Wisconsin the first time that got me five sacks in that game or something crazy. Um, I believe it was five. It's just nuts. That's video game numbers. And for him to kind of figure that out and say, all right, got to be able to do that against Trevor Lawrence and Clemson, or they're going to, you know, just dice up our defense all day. Um, he is, like, the focal point of that defense. They depend on him a lot. It's a pretty good defense, but they need Chase Young to be Chase Young to be dominant. Uh, and, and I just don't, like, it's not a Heisman se- it's season. It's a Defensive Player of the Year season. But he's not been more helpful to his team than Justin Fields is. Um, but I don't think Justin Fields or Chase Young should be in New York the guy, the two guys I think should be in New York replacing them, from Ohio State, J.K. Dobbins, most consistent part of the, the Ohio State offense all year. He wasn't putting the ball in the turf every game. Um, he's third in yards with eighteen hundred and or thousand eight hundred twenty-nine to be specific. Fifth in touchdowns with twenty and six and a half yards per carry. He did all of that while sharing the backfield with Justin Fields. Right. So you got a split time there with another like with a Heisman finalist. I think J.K. Dobbins should have been in there instead of Chase Young or Justin Fields. Um, so if you had to pick two, would you take J.K. and uh, Justin, or would you take J.K. and Chase? I would just take J. I would just take J.K. Dobbins, and the other guy I would take to round out. If we had to pick four, I'm taking Joe Burrow. I'm taking Jalen Hurts. I'm taking J.K. Dobbins, and the other the other guy I'm taking is. Plays in a school right in the upstate, Travis Etienne. Uh, Travis Etienne, I like. I don't care for all of the where's Trevor Lawrence in the Heisman talk. Um, like where's Trevor Lawrence in the Heisman finalist talk? You know, I don't. I don't care for that crowd because Trevor Lawrence. Say what you want. Like he had a a very poor like first few weeks of the season. Whereas you look at Joe Burrow and Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts, they were pretty consistent all year long with being top level yards. Like. Trevor Lawrence turned it on in the second half and was just as good, if not better, than you know Justin Fields or Jalen Hurts, not Joe Burrow. I would say they're on the same level for the last six weeks. 
but you can't like he missed so much time in the first of the season. Like you, you the, those first six games count too. So like you weren't there, but the guy like Travis Etienne was legitimate all year. Fifteen hundred yards, tied six in the nation on only one hundred and eighty-two attempts. Tied so to put that in perspective, he is tied for sixth in the nation in yards. He's tied 49th in attempts. Yeah, with 17 touchdowns and 8.2 yards per carry. 8.2 yards per carry. It's almost a first down. Uh, yeah, you, you. He runs the ball two times. Like <laughs> he runs the ball two times and you're 16 yards. <laughs> that is that is crazy. You run this guy 10 times a game, and he's almost at 100 yards. Like 12 12 rushes a game, he's at 100 yards. That is ridiculous. And it, like I don't get like how running backs this year didn't get the hype that we've seen in years past. Or that we should be seeing now, like he was incredible all year, and so was Dobbins. Like you watch, go back and watch like some of the tape if you can find it of uh, games that Ohio State played on on Fox, and listen to how many times Gus Johnson says J.K. Dobbins, as in like a higher voice. He's making a big play versus Justin Fields, and you will say, "Oh, J.K. Dobbins should be in the Heisman finalists." And go back and watch Clemson games from. Game one to game twelve, and or game thirteen, including the ACC championship, and look how many big plays the Travis Etienne had this year, and how consistent he was on every single down. Um, and tell me those two guys shouldn't be in the top four somewhere. I would much rather see them than Fields or Chase Young, just because I think they've been incredible all year, and they don't get the credit that they should be getting because they're sharing the backfield with bigger names. Yeah. Not necessarily guys who have performed better at their position than they have. Um, I think ETM was a better running back this year than Trevor Lawrence was a quarterback. Nothing against Trevor Lawrence. He had a pretty good year, but ETM was that much. Like, he's just been insane. And I think Dob- the same thing goes for Dobbins' field. I think Dobbins had a better season as a running back than Fields had as a quarterback. Uh, he, like, he's just been insane. I, I would rather see those two guys in the mix than Fields and Chase Young. Chase Young is just like a PR stunt to have him in. Like, everyone knows he's not going to win, and you're giving him credit for he only played in, I guess, what, 10, uh, 8, 9 games because they played 13. He sat out for two. Uh, so 11 games, excuse me. Um, like, because he had the two-game suspension or whatever. And then he just didn't play in two more games in, you know, Michigan and the Big Ten Championship game. Right. Like, I, he should be held accountable for that, that he only, like, as a defensive player, you need to be on top of your game every single game because if Justin Fields had a horrific game and didn't do anything against Wisconsin, like he probably wouldn't be in the Final Four here. It would be Dobbins instead of him. Uh, so, like, I mean, we're crediting him for an incredible season, no doubt, but was he as good from top to bottom as Dobbins or ETN were? I don't think so. Okay, yeah. I'd agree with you for the most part. I like Fields over um, Young, but I definitely agree with you as far as the Dobbins situation. Yeah, and I don't – I also – I don't care about the players. We hear this argument every year. The players on average teams that didn't get the votes to get in the finalists, like Chuba Hubbard from Oklahoma State, one of the best running backs all year. But I don't really care that he's not there. Yeah. Because when you have – like, to me, the Heisman Trophy winner – plays on one of the best teams in football because he's that good. Like, he makes the team that good. And I get, like, you need all 11 players on both sides of the ball to be good. Um, but you, you like, Oklahoma State being a semi-average team this year, 
Like, I, I don't, like, he's he's been incredible, but I don't, like, he's not, like, Heisman-worthy for me. And I mean, that's not all his fault, but I need to see. I want the big-time guys from the big-time teams in the Heisman Trophy, not necessarily, like, the run-of-the-mill teams this year uh, and their best player getting in. No doubt Chuba Hubbard had a good year, but like I, that doesn't really bother me that he's not there. Does that bother you? No, nah, it's kind of odd because I remember that's when was my thing whenever RG3 won it, and I know RG3 had a great year, but it was like, but he's playing like the Alamo Bowl, so it was kind of weird. Usually yeah. it's like the guy who's – but like I said, he had a great year. I think his part had 3,000 and 1,000. Uh, yeah, he was incredible. Know? But it's just like I like for the big guy to be going to play in the college football playoff for the BCS championship, whatever the case, like, like for example, like the Cam year. Yeah, yeah, like those guys. When you look back at like Heisman's, like, what do you have? And there was this weird thing for a while. Uh, I cannot remember who broke it a couple years ago, um, but every Heisman Trophy winner, like, if they played in the BCS championship or any championship game, they lost. Yeah. So like, I know it happened the year Sam Bradford won. Yeah. Uh, which Tim Tebow should have won, and then Tim Tebow just said, "All right, you know what? You take the." Trophy of the man holding the football. I'm gonna take the crystal ball home. The natty, uh, the goat, Tim Tebow. Um, <laughs> the goat. But yeah, that, that like there was a there was a run there for a while where the Heisman Trophy winner would then go on to lose the most important game of the season immediately after, kind of like the quote unquote Madden curse. That's what I was just thinking of. Um, but yeah, it, it, like I, I just I don't really it, it doesn't bother me at all that the that the guys who were on average teams who were exceptional, no doubt. Don't make the finalists. Like I don't. I don't really care about that. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't bother me as much as it bothers a lot of people. I think we hear about that all the time, but at the end of the day, who really cares? Uh, so there we go. Joe Burrow should be the biggest Heisman blowout victory of all time. Uh, this just should not even be close. And it's no discredit to the guys, the other guys that we've named, but he has just been that good. Like any other year, it, it's similar to last year when we had when two one. Um. And Dwayne Haskins was having an incredible year. And, and, like, you could have picked any of those guys last year if it weren't for Tua. And this year I think you can pick any of those guys if it weren't for Joe Burrow. But Joe Burrow is one, having one of the best college football seasons we've ever seen. Like, ever. I don't think people are talking about that enough. Like, we're talking about how good he is, but we aren't talking about, like, he is having one of the best college football seasons of all time. And it should just, I mean, not it shouldn't be. Anywhere close. Like, no one should get a first-place vote except for Joe Burrow. Wait, and then last year, I think you were talking about Kyler Murray, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, Kyler. Yeah, and yeah. yeah Kyler was there, too. Yeah, because in my head, I was like, what? It was two, yeah, two of Haskins and, um, and Kyler Murray. And if Kyler Murray hadn't had the season that he had, like, what do you, like, two no, no, no. and Haskins should have both won the Heisman Trophy had they played in 2004. yeah. But when you had Kyler Murray, like, what do you what do you do with what do you do with that? And then it's crazy to think so for the third year in a row, you have another one of those Oklahoma quarterbacks in there, and they're already talking. They should about just give Lincoln Riley the Heisman. It's insane. Like as far as quarterback development, now he's gone to show he could do it. Well, obviously he did it a guy like Kyler Murray, a smaller guy, and then you could get a guy Jalen Hurts who don't think he throw the ball very well, so he can just he do can it throw. Forever. Yeah, he can throw, no doubt. I don't I don't like the the classic just because a guy runs, let's assume he can't throw kind of thing. Yeah, uh, Lamar's proven a lot of people wrong with that right now. Um, on Sundays, but yeah, like as we progress in college football, like these guys, it was true with, you know, uh, Tim Tebow could throw in college. He couldn't throw in the pros, and everyone knew that. But that was kind of that start around that you know 2007, 2008, 2009, where you start to see more running quarterbacks who are trying to throw the football. You can say those guys can throw in the NFL because they couldn't. Um, 
But at the same time, the guys who were growing up at that time knew that they had to be able to throw the football as well as run. You know, how old was uh, Lamar is 22 now? Yeah. How old was he in 2008? You know, whatever. Do the math there. Like 10. Uh, like he was growing up and learning to throw. So I think that narrative is going to be disproved a lot now. And you're going to see more guys. We're seeing it all the time with Kyler and Baker. Guys who can move and throw the football. Like just because you have feet doesn't mean you don't have an arm anymore. And I think that's being disarmed every day more and more. Yeah. Which is good. Quarterback position is evolving. Yeah. You can do two things at one time. You know. All right. Army Navy this weekend. One of the grandest things in all of college football. We're in Philly at the link. Uh, great game to watch. One of the best events all year to watch. You get the CBS broadcasting crew there at three o'clock. So you got Brad Nessler uh, and Gary Danielson. Um, I got, I know I've talked about this before, but football feels like so, and I know a lot of people don't like Gary. I don't I don't he doesn't bother me at all. Um, if he bothers you that much, just turn it down a little and, <laughs> and turn some music on while you watch. I don't know, but I like. CBS, like when I watch a college football game on CBS, I just feel like it's such a huge event. So Army-Navy this Saturday, 3 o'clock, or tomorrow, I guess, as you're listening to this, dates back to 1890. Navy won 24-zip. I think Navy could win 24-zip again this week. Uh, they're having an incredible season. They're 9-2 and right now, ranked 21st in the country. They beat SMU. They beat some other big teams. Uh, Army, 5-7, and seven, take it back to week two, took Michigan – to overtime in week two, lost by three points. West Point. Uh, yep, big big time. Big t- and Army's taken several teams you know, down to the wire over the last few years. I think they did it to Michigan just a few years ago, um, again in a separate matchup. But yeah, pretty uh, just an incredible game every year, and it's always cool to see like uh, a like you have all these military cadets who this is like their one day of freedom throughout the year. So like it's getting this watch these dudes and and girls like on the in the sidelines, like, or in the stands, and their full, like, dress attire or whatever you call it, and their their gear, their jackets, um, just go nuts in the stands. Like, they are on the grandest stage in all of, you know, football. Um, it, it's incredible to watch every year. And, like, to get into a little of the history, so Army's won the last three, and pretty, you know, up. Been, they've been upsets. Um, and, I, like, I, I, like, I love that this game gets its own weekend. So they moved it, I think, in like 2008-something. I don't It wasn't that long ago. It used to be played on like the same day as Championship Saturday. They just moved it back a week. Like, which, you know definitely, which was definitely a good decision because nobody's really watching. I mean, besides obviously the military people, people are trying to watch their Big Ten team or their ACC team, whatever case may be. Yeah, like it, it should be like it is now. It is like the whole country watches. Like it's your military academies, two teams that historically have had a lot of like national – uh, championship contention. Like, you look back to the 50s and 60s, you got Roger Staubach, uh, played for Navy. Like, you you have, like, incredible athletes that played at both of these teams, like, historic athletes. These were huge games that they used to play. Um, and now it's nice. Like, we don't see that anymore. Like, Navy's not winning a national championship anytime soon, and neither is Army. <laughs> uh, that's just kind of the evolution of college football. And many, you know, as it were years ago, more more men went straight to the military. Um, and now you don't see that as much just because population is so much bigger um, in, in the evolution of college football. But, like, yeah, this used to be it, – it's crazy to look back at the history of it and think about how much this game, like, used to mean in terms of, like, college football national championships yeah. being on the line. Um, you know, both of these schools have, 
you know, more than most teams, national champions, more than they'll ever get. Uh, certainly more than what we see here in Colombia. It's crazy to think about how that times, like you're saying, how those times have changed. It's like, well, the national championship game coming up. And it's like nowadays, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, Army Navy will pay the respects, watch the game, whatever the case may be. But I say I bring up that to bring up this. Look, I'm scrolling through the Wikipedia earlier, just reading all the stuff about the Army-Navy game, cool little things. Since 1963, only the 96, 2010, 2016, and 2017 games have seen both teams enter with a winning record. So since 1963, pretty much one team has been garbage every year. Yeah. Every year. Losing record. This year, no different. Uh, well, a little. Army's competitive. 5-7, and seven, like we said. Uh, Navy's an actual good football team. Navy scores a lot of points. I think the only time they scored less than 30 points all year was when they scored 20 against Notre Dame and they got beat like 20 to 50. Uh, it was a blowout. But yeah, uh, there's a lot on the line for this game. My pick, I'm taking Navy, minus 10. Uh, if you're paying, betting some money on it, that's the line as of Tuesday. Buying it down to 9.5, maybe it dips to 9.5 by Friday or Saturday when you go to place your bet. Uh, wouldn't be the worst idea, so bet on no one by 10 and not 11. Um, but Navy's got some other things on the line this year. They're playing Kansas State in the Liberty Bowl on December 31st. A really good year from them. Navy's had, like, good football teams for the last 10 or 15 years, like legitimate football teams. Uh, Army has had a few seasons here and there where they can make teams, like, like this year, make teams sweat uh, late in the game like they did against Michigan. I just think you're going to see Navy – win against I mean three in a row they're taking they're taking this thing they're going to take back the kind of the military trophy or whatever yeah that's what I, I can't, was I thinking looking, of I, I couldn't think of the name of it uh yeah Navy does I'm taking Navy as well Navy leads the series 60 52 with seven ties so yeah I expect them to win this game so they probably do a pretty good job of developing talent too because they're not getting exactly who they want obviously they want no the guys you have to recruit in. it's crazy to recruit I can't imagine recruiting you have to go you have to convince a kid not only like the, the schools themselves have enough time, like, recruiting regular people to come to the military academy because it's a military academy. And you're committing your life to service, you know, after you get out. You've still got five, six years yeah. uh, of service to do before you're, like, done and you get your education. Um, and then you have to find, of those people, guys who can play D1 football. Yeah. So it, it's you, you have to jump through a lot of hoops to get a team on the field. And it's incredible what Navy and Army and Army are able to do and, like, have – decent like teams like teams that are capable of beating big teams yeah they've actually been recruiting a lot not to say a lot but they get a good bit of talent right here out of the south carolina area as recently i know they got cedric cunningham not, yeah cedric cunningham he played with us in northeast then he went over to north central see like they get a lot of guys like that like 2a guys who are really good in like smaller towns yeah they would come and get you a scholarship and then you obviously go into the military afterwards with the, probably like an officer rank or whatever case may be yeah so yeah it seems like that's kind of like their target but they've actually re- recruited a pretty good amount right here in south carolina all right so that's three o'clock saturday tune into that if you've if you've never seen the Army Navy game, I can't imagine that no one has. Uh, I can't imagine that no one's haven't watched all of these college football. I mean, I guess it's because like every Saturday for my entire <laughs> life, I watch every game. But yeah, watch this game. It's really cool. It's the only game on all day, so you can. It's at three o'clock. You can just wake up and I don't know, get hammered, make a bunch of food, and watch Army Navy. It's. I mean, it's a super. It's a military Super Bowl. It's basically what it is. Um, coaching little coaching carousel news. So we talked earlier about Bobo uh, Sunday night, and I mentioned this Sunday night. When we leave the studio, I get to my house, throw my phone on the table, goes off, Bleacher Report, 
Eli Drink went to Missouri. And I was yeah. like, you got to be kidding me. We just get done. The Monday episode's out. Now I got this guy going to Mizzou. Well, we'll talk about it right now. I was so scared for Missouri that firing Barry Odom was bad. Because who are you going to get, right? This is always my thing. It's like, who you? if you are going to fire someone, you better know where you're going, and you better know you're going to get that person. Um, they get Appalachian State's 12-1 team, uh, their coach, Eli Drinkwitz, who beat North Carolina and South Carolina. In the same year. In the same year. Um, they lost to Georgia. They lost one game, lost a close one to Georgia Southern. This is a great hire. Uh, and, like, I don't like, – if you're Arkansas, who we'll get to in a second, and if you're some of the other schools in the country like, and you're looking for a coach, you let Missouri just walk all over you. Yeah. Because they, they – this is as good as coaching firings go. You fire your guy, you know, as soon as the season ends, here's the guy we're going to go get. We go get him. Uh, and as I, I'm going to pull up Eli's thing here real quick. I my, my notes on him. Um, and, and like you, you know, like what you're getting. Here's a guy that he doesn't have a lot of head coaching experience, right? So he's only coached in, in he's coached at Appalachian State is his only head coaching job. Uh, and, and so other than high school, I see he's Arkansas, Arkansas high school. But here's a guy who comes back. He comes from Gus Malzahn's tree. He was with Gus. Um, he was running backs coach, and special teams coordinator with Gus Malzahn. Remember when he was in Arkansas State? Yeah. After Auburn won the national championship in 2010, and then he was to date back even further. He was with Gus Malzahn at Auburn in 2010. He was somewhere on the. I forget what he was. What was he? He, he was, was a quality great. control coach. Okay, so, so almost like a graduate assistant, but look. Yeah, different. he he was he was on the coaching staff at Auburn under Gene Chizik, Gus Malzahn, um, with. With uh, their national championship team, yeah, Cam Newton, all the, those guys. So I like I made those connections quickly, but his Gus Malzahn connection goes back even further. And I just said he was a Springdale High School coach in Arkansas. The story of Gus Malzahn always is Gus Malzahn was this great high school quarterback coach, or great high school coach, and they yanked him out and threw him in the SEC. Who was with him at Springdale High School in in Arkansas? Eli Drinkwitz. Who would have guessed? So that's the connection. goes way back. I love this hire. I think it's going to work. Missouri has shown, much to my surprise, and I think a lot of people's surprise, that they are a competitive team in the SEC East. They've already won two SEC East division titles, more than um, Kentucky has won, more than South Carolina has won. Go down the list here. There's a few schools, obviously Vanderbilt. You know, there's some schools that have not won as many Eastern division championships or division championships on either side, West or East. As Missouri has already won in their short time in the SEC, so they came and to they the, make a just a fire hire on my, on, on my in my opinion. Yeah, so they came to the Big Twelve and made a. Uh, they came from the Big Twelve and made an impact in a hurry. I always think of that Missouri team with Doyle Green Beckham, and that's like the standard. I think not the standard, but like I feel like that's where I'm, I would like to picture Missouri getting back to, and I feel like he might be the guy to be able to get the job done. Yeah, you're gonna have if and look just for the the. the just for the thrill of it, we have to hope South Carolina is going to be good and competitive next year because you're going to have – here's your SEC East next year. Georgia, Florida, who don't need much explaining. Uh, Kentucky, you have a healthier Kentucky who just proved two years ago they can compete. We'll see what they do. They're losing Limbo and to the draft, um, which is a big, big loss. Uh, 
hopefully a competitive South Carolina. And Missouri with a coach who has got some fire and has some success under his belt. This could shape up to be, if all of these things kind of work, three, you know, two years from now, maybe not next year, the year after, you're looking at an incredible, just top to bottom, like, an incredible division in college football. Yeah, you, and even Tennessee, by the way, with Garantino and those guys. Yeah, back. sorry, did I, I, don't, I meant to mention, don't, don't want to leave out Tennessee there. I've been on the Tennessee train. Uh, <laughs> Tennessee fans are about to make me hop off the Tennessee train because they're so annoying. Um, but, yeah, you – like this, you have long been behind the West in how competitive your division is in college football, and the SEC East is still up there with the the better teams. It's the SEC is far more competitive than the ACC, or the some Big Twelve divisions have passed, and or the Pac twelve. Um, but like you, you've got a position. You're the, this higher, and some of the other moves, like Tennessee making moves, has put the SEC East in a spot to be. Right back with the SEC West is one of the t- like the two toughest divisions in college football. Yeah, it's incredible. As long as with the good coaching hires and things of that nature, they're putting them right back, like you said, in position. So, be interested to see what Missouri does. They see what the Tigers can do in the years coming. All right. So from a hire I love to a hire that I think is stupid, uh, <laughs> Arkansas. You have Jerry Jones money. Yeah. You have an unlimited bank account. You are. I don't want to say you're the Yankees of college football, but you have a Yankees wallet of college football. Um, you get Sam Pittman to come to Arkansas is an F. Yeah. No, maybe he works, maybe he doesn't. But I'm going to bet that it won't. Uh, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But you basically rehired Brett Bielema. To that, come be your coach. That's what I thought. This I is thought. not going to work. This like, is not going to work immediately at all. Because he's an offensive line coach from Georgia. Correct? Offensive line coach of Georgia, Sam Pittman, who and, has been. Uh, let me. Yeah, I got this pulled up right here. <laughs> I wanted to mention this. Um, look at. I look back at Sam Pittman's career today. Here are all the schools he was. He was uh, a coach at. So he's got some high school coaching stuff early in his career. Uh, then he's got a community college, and then offensive line coach, Northern Illinois. Uh, tight ends coach, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, offensive line, Western Michigan, uh, associate head coach, Missouri, offensive line, Kansas, offensive line, Northern Illinois, again, offensive line, Northern Illinois, again, assistant head coach and offensive line coach, North Carolina, offensive line coach, North Carolina, assistant head coach, offensive line coach, Tennessee, offensive line coach, Arkansas, assistant head coach, offensive line coach, Georgia, offensive line coach, Georgia, associate head coach, offensive line coach. Like he's at a different school every single year. If you look back at his career, I'm trying to count. He was never at a school longer than three years, four years. Just, I mean, he's bounced around. He's moved up the ladder. Credit to him. Uh, the Ar- was like the connection in Arkansas from 2013 to 2015 when he was with Brett Bielma at Arkansas. Do like, why did you hire Brett Bielma to rehire Brett Bielma's assistant? From three years ago. Yeah, I, I didn't understand. That was definitely like, I actually, whenever they got chat, I was like, okay, this is a splash. This this here was not a splash. I, I just can't even watch the press conference. Yeah, you're going to, like, Chad Morris's struggles were based on the fact that he couldn't play his type of football with the players that were at Arkansas because of Bielma. So he starts recruiting those guys, and he's starting to get faster, different guys in to go with his change of offense. He wants to run 80 plays a game and be very fast. Uh, well, you have to get rid of all the, you know, the slower, 
uh, smash mouth football guys first. He's getting those out of Arkansas. Arkansas doesn't give him enough time to completely change the program. They fire him. And then you rehire a guy who wants to go back to how you were three years ago. But now you've got all these athletic guys, uh, which he can use, no doubt. But they're smaller and faster, and he's going to want to run, power run, just how <laughs> Georgia is right now and how he ran it at Arkansas two or three years ago. I, like, I don't get it. Uh, the other thing I don't get about this situation, Georgia offensive line coaching, what the hell does associate head coach mean? That is the <laughs> biggest BS title I've ever heard. So, like, stick with offensive line coach. If you think he's worth that, if you think his analysis is worth that much more, like, bump his salary a little. Don't give him this. That is the worst title. I hate all these crappy titles we get <laughs> in, in football. And just in, like, general, it's like saying he's, you're vice president of sales over the Richland County region for Verizon or something. Like, yeah, your title yeah. is so insignificant that it doesn't matter. Uh, that's, like, this, like, vice president of any company doesn't mean anything anymore. Like, uh, associate head coach to me means absolutely nothing. Um, but he's basically been an offensive line coach at every single school in the country. And now he's, like, he's, I, like, I just don't get what Arkansas is going for. Yeah, I don't think they know what they're doing either there. Hopefully it works out. I don't see it happening. I'm kind of off of Arkansas. I feel like they'll, they'll marinate in the bottom of the uh, – what is it, the uh, pad? No, God, no. The SEC West. Uh, SEC they'll West. just continue being what they are. Yeah. All right, so here's a couple – the two highlights of Sam Pittman that I've seen. One was just funny. I saw a Twitter comment today uh, that Sam Pittman is Brett Bielma combined with the Bobby Petrino um, motorcycle accident, which is pretty funny. Uh, that's That tweet is floating around out there. Hilarious. I don't – like. I don't, I'll try to go find it and retweet it. It's just it's so funny. Um, and the other thing I did like what he said in his in his in his inter- introductory press conference. Uh, I don't think you can just turn around down and down and down again and hand the ball off to the tailback and say, "All right, let's go sick him." Um, that leads me to believe that he disagreed a lot with Kirby Smart's conservative play calls this year. And for Arkansas, that's your highlight of Sam Pittman that he doesn't want to be conservative. And I like that. Yeah. Um, There's a way to start. That's a good start. There, Yeah. So if he's going to work, like you hired an older guy with no real head coaching experience who's going to change your program back to what it was three years ago, which didn't really work either, uh, there's your hope. Um, if you're an Arkansas fan, I feel bad for you. I don't think you're coming out like you're already in the toughest conference division in the country and you're at the bottom and it's hard to climb back up but and the thing I mean, we've is, seen it before the mississippi state and mississippi but ah. and the thing is like whenever chad got hired today he probably put a lot more emphasis on getting the country to see what arkansas was arkansas has the facilities they have the state yeah. they have the fans they have literally everything that i don't know if you ever seen it but there's a photo of chad standing in front of like their football facility and it's like of them when i think whenever they played in some type of bcs bowl game it was, it's a great picture i think when they played ohio state that year whenever uh mcfadden yeah and you know, after that, whenever uh, they played Ohio State, when all those guys got in trouble with the tattoos. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's a dope that. photo. I'll, yeah, I'll let you see State. it. And I'll see if we can put it on the lead block Twitter account as well. But it's just like they have the facilities; they just need it to happen. But I, I don't see it happening. No it, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the money there is insane, and yeah. you, your hire is Sam Pittman. It's just God. Thank you, Missouri, for making someone out there being smart, and making it correct. Like, I like that hire better than I like Norvell to Florida State uh, because Missouri, you know, you know, you know, you know. Uh, 
Drinkwitz is not getting a lot of like hype yet because of Norvell and some of the other guys around in the AAC. Yeah. Um, I think he could have stayed at App State one more year. Missouri is like, hey, this guy is pretty good. We're going to take a chance on him right now because next year we're going to have to compete with a lot more schools, and we don't want to compete with those schools. Right now we know we can get them, so let's go get them. It's just a phenomenal job. Uh, also, you wanted to mention quickly, or we wanted to mention quickly, about um, Jeff Scott leaving Clemson. Jeff Scott, my He's guy. been there since you know, for since Dabo got promoted. He's been there for 12 years or whatever, all through the Dabo thing. I don't know how it hasn't happened sooner because no one is leaving Clemson. Uh, you, Venables has been there forever. That's why Clemson, I think, has had so much success is because guys don't leave. They, they like it there, um, or they seem to anyway. They're getting paid pretty good. Yeah. And they're winning. So, unless you, like, why would you want to leave? Unless you just want to go be a head coach. And I think uh, Scott decided it was his time, and he's going to South Florida. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what he does there. They get to pretty much choose at Clemson. It's like, you, we're good. We'll, we'll love to have you here. It's kind of like some, sometimes how people's parents are. It's like, I mean, you can go get your own house. We, we kind of like to have you here, and we'll just keep uh, giving you more and more money. Jeff Scott, though, he as soon as – okay, how can I put this? Whenever Chad Morris left, they brought him and Tony Elliott, who's the running backs coach up, and they were co-offensive coordinators. But Jeff That's, Scott – Which has worked phenomenally. Yeah, usually it doesn't work this long that well. Usually somebody gets the big head, but, yep. they, but they did it really well. One guy would be in the booth and one guy would be on the sideline. But Jeff Scott's actually – well, I think his dad, Brad Scott, was the coach yes. here for a long time. So South Carolina and, and at Clemson. Yeah, which is different. But he graduated from Hammond School, same school that Muschamp son goes to. Yep. Um, he went to Ridgeview, then went to Blythewood, Ridgeview, which is in Blythewood, South Carolina, as a coach. And then he went to Blythewood High School, won a state championship, went to Presbyterian, then went to Clemson as a GA, and the rest is history. So, yeah, so he's gotten this job at South Florida. They they really like how he recruits the South Florida area. I think that also. South Florida just fired Charlie Strong, by the way. Yeah, so all the high school coaches in that area are super excited that he's come there, so that'll probably help him with the recruiting. Because yeah. I don't know if you remember Ray Ray McLeod who played at Clemson. He's yep. from that same area. Funny enough, Jordan McLeod, who is Ray Ray's younger brother, is actually a quarterback at that very same school. So that might work itself out there. And Tony Elliott, there's rumors, but Tony said that he's not even talking to any other teams until after the playoff is done. And he said he understands that probably kind of puts him behind the eight ball because nobody wants to hire him that late. I, I'd wait, I think if I was in school, I'd wait on Tony Elliott. Yeah, and there's so people think that Appalachian State might that might pick up some traction there, but we'll see what happens. But for now, he's determined. I guess this if this is his last like tenure at Clemson, he wants to go out hopefully to a national championship as the off- offense coordinator guy during the playoff. Yeah, so, so what I've seen that. from Jeff Scott is he's going to South Florida this week. Yeah. To kind of do all the media press tour, um, and then he's going to rejoin Clemson. Oh, yes. At the end of the week or the beginning of next week, it threw out the college football playoff run. That's what I saw in the email from uh, Dabo Sweeney. Dabo Sweeney to all the media. Uh, I think someone tweeted that last night. Maybe Scott Eisberg from down in Charleston. I think he's on ABC Four or whatever. Uh, someone tweeted that email. But yeah, and, and you read it, and it talks about you know that kind of stuff. Um, and, and really cool. I mean. Just incredible. I mean, credit to Dabo for being able to – I think that's the best thing he's done as a head coach is being able to keep those guys, Venables, Scott, Elliott, there for so long because nowhere else in the country can do that or has done that. Um, and it's obviously helped them a lot. I mean, they got two national championships in the last three years, and they're going they're going for their third in four years. So, 100% with that one. Also, Jeff Scott was the wide receivers coach. It was going to be interesting to see who 
Dabble gets to be the new wide receivers coach. Dabble for the most the Oh yeah, most definitely. For the most part, Dabble does his thing. He wants a lot just like he likes the uh, recruits to come to camp. He likes the coach that he eventually is gonna hire to have coached at his camps as well. Obviously he gets to pick and choose there, but he does say he likes that. Uh, Jeff Scott, if you look at the, the receivers that have come through Clemson that he's coached up, is remarkable. I mean, we're talking Sammy Watkins, DeAndre Hopkins. Worst look case, on any NFL roster right now, and you could find one. Yeah, exactly. Even like the slot guys who may or may not have been quite as talented. Like Adam Humphreys has had a long career in the NFL. I think he's in Tennessee now, but he spent most of his career at Tampa Bay. But, yeah, so Jeff Scott, long resume. All right, and two other quick coaching things before we uh, end the show here quickly. Matt Luke to UGA as an offensive line coach to replace Sam Pittman. I think it's a pretty good hire. You just got an SEC head coach who got fired, but you got an SEC head coach to come coach your offensive line. Not even a coordinator position, just head to come coach. coach your offensive line. At Ole Miss, one of the most historic schools in the country, he was the coach there. And, yeah, I know he went to Ole Miss, and that's how he got the job. But say what you like, George, Kirby getting him to come to Georgia, great hire, I think, for, for Georgia. Um, the other one, the other one I alluded to earlier, Chad Morris. Just going to Auburn to coach for Gus Malzahn. It, it, like, if you are a South Carolina fan, you should be pissed off about yeah. this. Like, that you never heard Chad Morris's name mentioned with the South Carolina job with any legitimacy. Uh, like this, I don't get how Chad Morris was not talked about everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. As like, if Arkansas would have fired him, uh, Arkansas. Well, they did fire him. Uh, and South Carolina fired Muschamp, I would have said that South Carolina should go hire him as the head coach yeah. of this football team. It's it's incredible that he kind of snuck through, and now he's going with Gus. And, I like, Auburn is going to just I, – I cannot wait to see what he does there because I really, really believe he is going to kill it. Yeah, because he's definitely – and the thing is, like, I think a lot of people think about it like, okay, he went to Arkansas and he was successful, but he built SMU up and kind of – so when he left SMU and the new coach took over, he's kind of built on that. But SMU, when Chad Morris got there, was not a glamorous job at all. No. Nope. So, so he's built up a program before. Maybe Arkansas just wasn't a good place for him to be at. I think, I think the problem there was he had to change every single thing about the Arkansas football team, and they frankly just didn't give him enough time. And that's okay if you're Arkansas to say, hey, this isn't – like, we don't want to lose anymore. It's going to take you too much time. We're just going to go hire someone else. Um, and if you're fine with winning five games, hire Sam Pittman. He'll yeah. be your guy because that's all you're going to do for the next four or five years until you fire him and go hire some other mediocre coach. But if you're, you know, like, if you really want to see some change, you've got to stick through some crap. And Chad Morris put Arkansas through a lot of crap, <laughs> no doubt. I think you should have stuck with him. But, I like, I think he should have been the hottest commodity in the offseason for coaches uh, he should have been listed right up there with Norvell and right up there with some of the other guys in the country, with Lane. Uh, but, yeah, I, great hire from Auburn. This is a steal. And, I mean, just all around great. A couple great hires from the SEC. One poor one, I think. Um, and, I mean, we'll see what happens. And an interesting one here at South Carolina. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure which side of the fence I'm on on that one yet, but I'm saying Matt Luke good, Chad Morris good. Obviously, those aren't head coaches uh, or, or coordinators, um, or, well, Morris is. And, and then you have Pittman, Arkansas, which I'm saying is a fail. Drinkwoods to Missouri, which I'm giving them props for, and Bobo, who I'm on the fence on. Okay. So, there we go. Navy, minus 10 this weekend. 
that's going to be it for the lead block. You got anything else? Yeah, two things real quick. Uh, Markway did declare to go to the draft. Oh, that's right. Yep, Kyle and, Markway, South Carolina tight end, declaring to go to the NFL draft. And Jake Bentley's heading to Utah. Yep, that's the other thing. Uh, I forgot about that. I'm glad you mentioned it. Jake Bentley announced, what, Monday? Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, Monday that he's going to – he's transferring to Utah. Interesting move. you got a senior quarterback out there in Utah named Tyler Huntley. Uh, he's done. His, his four years are up. Could be a pretty good – place for Bentley um like I think just the Utah feel kind of fits Bentley it's a very religious place I know Bentley if you look at like his social media and stuff like that he's a very religious guy uh I think that kind of fits him I think he's going to find a way to succeed against Pac-12 defenses um and I think he's got a good coach there in Kyle Whittingham um and I think their offense is kind of like they're going to let him throw the ball a little a little bit I think that you need to allow Jake Bentley to do that uh hopefully Bentley figures it out because he's got all the talent in the world and I'd love to see him just kill it somewhere. And even all the leadership and other intangibles that come with it, but he has certainly that. got that. So going to a great situation and we're going to uh, maybe by next time we'll figure out the uh, on Joint decides to go or if he decides to stay. And we're still looking at Jamias Williams from South Carolina who's transferring somewhere yet he, to be named. He had And he's had all year to kind of because you know he left the team kind of early. I think I would imagine that he's got quite a few schools yeah. after him, and he's trying to narrow it down. Uh, but, yeah, Jemias is – he's on the move too. So hopefully those things happen soon. Um, I guess the next time we will see you on Monday, going to be a little different show because uh, obviously Matthew's having his surgery. And we are – or as you listen to this, he's already has his surgery. So <laughs> – uh, but, yeah, so we're probably going to do a Skype show for Monday. It's going to sound a little different, but that's fine. We'll get the lead block rolling. While you're at it, go make sure you're subscribed to the lead block, rate five stars, leave a review, follow on Spotify. Make sure you're followed on, or subscribed anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Go follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at the lead underscore block. Go follow Matthew at Matt the Chosen One with the numeral one. And myself at Tyler Walter CNR. I think that's going to be it. Any last words for you, Matthew? Nah, man, that's all. All right, we'll see you Monday. This podcast is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcasts and other student work on garnetmedia.org.